Welcome to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Susan Bagheera, author of The Visionary Leader, How to Inspire Success from the Top Down. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Susan Bagheera, author of The Visionary Leader, How to Inspire Success from the Top Down. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this special edition podcast, Susan Bigura shares with us her insights on leading one's organization to have a success-focused mindset and then translate that mindset into the actions that will not only move it forward, but help the organization achieve greater levels of success. And so now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Susan Bagheera, author of The Visionary Leader, How to Inspire Success from the Top Down. With over 25 years of sales, marketing, and entrepreneurial experience, Susan works with clients to attract, motivate, and develop their employees, starting with the leadership team and then going throughout the organization. Her coaching and consulting practice is centered on helping small businesses grow by increasing sales and profits, improving communications, and reducing staff attrition. Susan, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. Hi, Nathan. Thanks so much for asking me to be on this podcast, and I really appreciate your interest in the visionary leader. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Our listeners are in for a real treat, and I thoroughly enjoyed your book. i really felt that it spoke to a lot of what we try to help our folks do on Strategy Driven, and it really, I think, takes the concept of the visionary leader much further than what our, I think, average listener tends to think of. In fact, um, I wanted to start out by asking you if you would define the visionary leader, because I think a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, well, Leaders have visions, and then they communicate that and inspire the employees to go achieve the vision. But as you describe it in your book, it's really so much more than that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, certainly vision and communication and inspiration are fundamental to visionary leadership, Mm -hmm. but there is more. You know, for starters, I think that the leader needs to determine what their purpose is for their leadership. And this is what I end up calling their why. And too often I see that leaders just jump in, they start doing things, and then eventually it leads to a mess. You know, they end up becoming firefighters instead of leaders. 
So when I speak about the purpose for their leadership, it has to be something beyond profits. And in fact, if a leader is only focused on profits, they miss the big picture and they'll always be scurrying for business instead of having clients chasing them. And that is a huge difference. Because That's a huge one. It, it is. I see so many times, again, leaders strive to have that external vision. They don't have that internal vision that you just described. That's true. So I give them something, something to help them develop their purpose or understand it. Because most people don't know what I'm talking about at first when I talk about knowing the purpose for their leadership. They give me one of these quizzical looks like, what are you talking about? But what I say to people is we've got to make something bigger than just the profit. So whether it's, say, like they got the purpose of giving the best service in the region or transforming the way business is done in their industry or transforming lives, when a leader has that as their purpose and then they're in action moving towards it using some of the other ideas that are in the book, trust me, the profits will come and they'll probably come faster than they ever would have believed possible. Well, Susan, on, on that line, I was wondering if you could describe for us some of those tangible types of benefits that you see folks that truly embody the visionary leader style actually realizing. Well, certainly they're realizing increased profits, uh, reduced turnover, which is huge, mm-hmm. um, certainly retention of top staff. You know, and, and this is all creating amazing turnabouts in their business. You know what's really interesting, Nathan? And, you know, I come from uh, years and years in the high-tech industry, so I certainly had my bread buttered many years from making sales of computer systems, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they found is all of the billions, and it doesn't matter what currency you talk about, dollars, euros, Deutschmark, whatever it was, yen, that people spent on technology trying to improve the productivity of the people. Yes. Actually, in the long run, they only got about 15% increase. And they found that the reason why they didn't get more was because of the people issues. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the visionary leadership is is about. It's really focusing in on the people. And to me, the leaders got his customers, and he's got two customers. It's the customers of the business, and it's his employees. And when he's focusing on helping those people get what they want, they're going to help him get what he wants. Absolutely. And you mentioned about the productivity increase. I know Gallup has come out with some various studies, and the difference between engaging your workforce or not engaging your workforce for I'll call it just on average uh, across the board for companies, can be 18%. And the things that we talk about doing don't have those billions of dollars in price tags for uh, technology improvements and this, that, and the other. They're really a lot of just the simple things, the leadership things that our executives and managers and supervisors can do on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. 
Yeah. You know, so many times when um, I'm first speaking to leaders, they'll say, how can I get my people to do something, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about getting anyone to do anything. It's about inspiring them, motivating yeah. them, making them feel a part of the vision or where it is that they're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And when you give that kind of direction, you really step out of being any any sort of a leader at all. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's one of the reasons why you reduce the turnover of staff and also you uh, are able to retain the really top performers, right? Mm -hmm. Because you built such a loyalty base. I mean, who's doing that? The visionary leader is a rare leader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, going back to some of that Gallup research, people join a company because of the company, and they leave the company typically because of their immediate supervisor, mm-hmm. whether it's a manager or an executive. And and so it gets back to the leader again. And the costs are huge. I know the American Management Association has identified the cost of replacing an employee as being up to, if you're talking senior level folks, uh, 250% of their annual salary. And the rule of yeah. thumb that I usually use is 100%. So if, if we have an average employee that makes $60,000 a year, and if you have a company, say it's 250 people in size, you're spending on the order of a half a million dollars if you have a 10% attrition rate every year. Yeah. And, and it's, it's money there to be, to be saved. Yeah, that goes right down to the bottom line. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, just phenomenal. Well, Susan, so we, we've talked about the benefits of being a visionary leader. Are there any particular personality traits or characteristics that these types of leaders have or possess? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I find like the best visionary leaders that I know, they're really focused on the individual. So, for example, when you have a conversation with them, you can see in their eyes that they're fully invested in that conversation. Mm -hmm. They're really listening and they're asking lots of questions and uh, they're supportive. Um, They uh, want to understand what's important to each member of their team and they're committed to helping them achieve it. Mm-hmm. And I also find that they're, they've got a lot of respect for each other, you know, and people in their team, and they, they provide a lot of opportunity for growth. They want their people to stretch themselves and, and be more than what they are, so they give them that room to grow. Um, but I think some of the traits that are really important and have a very huge payoff is when they're open, Mm-hmm. They're honest and they're transparent. Okay. So uh, they're not trying to hide anything. They freely admit their mistakes. Um, they're not doing one thing inside the company and then doing something outside the company. You know, for example, there are some, I've seen in companies all the time, and you probably have too, where a company might do something where it's not treating the customer very well. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that to the employees, too. And even if the employee at the time hasn't noticed it, they see what happens with the customer, and they are already on another level know it's going to happen to them, too. Absolutely. If, if it's happening to the customer, 
you've got to expect it's happening to the employees. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, too, you know, um, as you said, I've got 25 years of sales experience, and mm -hmm. there's been many times when I've been in customers and, you know, also having my technical people or other support people in working the accounts with me as well. And it will be amazing what some people will say to the customers, right? Yeah. If you, know, if you have an unhappy employee, they're going to go and talk to the customer even and say whatever it is that's bothering them. Well, the customer is going to say, wow, if they're treating their employees that way, how is it that they're going to be with me when I need something? Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely, and, and especially with the communications mechanisms that we have today, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or any of these social networking uh, websites, uh, the customer is going to be able to have easy access to that information even if they don't know the employee personally. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. So I just think if a, if a leader has this um, policy mm -hmm. of being open and honest and transparent, and, and by the way, one thing that I didn't mention uh, that I think is very key when they are putting together their purpose for their um, leadership, I think it's very important that they tie that to their values. What values are they going to be expressing in that leadership as a part of that leadership? Mm -hmm. And it's not just words that they use. It's got to be demonstrated by their behavior, how they are with people, how they treat the employees, how they treat the customers. Now, Susan... Is there a prominent leader that our listeners would recognize that you would point to and say, this is an example of a visionary leader and here are the behaviors that they can look at that are in the public's eye? Well, I did write about a few of my favorite visionary leaders in the book, and uh, there are others that I didn't want any of my choices to look like political or religious statements or anything like that. Sure, but, sure. Uh, I really like the leaders that blend visionary and transformational aspects into their leadership. So one person that always immediately jumps to mind is Bill Gates. Yeah. And you know, I, I mentioned to you before I came from that computer industry. I worked it in the 80s and the 90s. And I remember in 1985 when he publicly talked about his vision of there being a computer on every desktop and in every home. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't believe the reaction that many people had, even people that were in the industry. They just couldn't see that. But, you know, look at it now. It's not uncommon to go into someone's home and they've got five or six computers sitting in their home. Not oh, just certainly. one. Yeah. Well, and he and his wife, Melinda, have really expressed that, I think, in every aspect of their business, including the philanthropy that they do. Exactly. That they've taken that, that vision, even that you know, huge step further. I agree. And that's that's one of the things that I think makes Bill such a great visionary leader is that he's all about transforming lives. Back in those early days with Microsoft, it was about transforming the way people communicate, and he was the driving force behind that. And he's transforming young people's lives now with all of the things that he's doing to help children and leadership and everything. He's a fantastic visionary leader. Yeah, and, and an excellent example. Now, Susan, 
leaders, of course, establish this vision and then they inspire their workers to go forward and, and execute on the vision. How does the visionary leader link their organization's goals to the work their employees are doing and then hold folks accountable for achieving those goals? Yeah, I, you know, I think that is such a great question and I think, I hope it's one that everyone's asking because this is really what's important for succeeding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the top skills for a visionary leader, and it's one that they have to develop, it's not one people just naturally come by, and that's the ability to coach people. And just to give a definition of that, Coaching is all based on the premise that all the ideas are within. So it's really then the leader's job through questioning to draw the answers out of the people because that's what moves them. That's what helps them grow. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, a really good example actually recently with one of my clients because um, we were meeting and he was telling me about a meeting that he'd had with one of his VPs. Now, this VP has set several very critical goals that he wants to achieve this year, but he's behind on them, and and one in particular was also impacting my guy, you know, his boss. So they were having a meeting, and he was asking him, you know, how are things going, what's your progress, what's working, what's not working, and then they came to this area, and it turns out that his man said that he was spending about a quarter of his time on another project. Now, of course, with my person that I'm coaching, he could have very easily just come out and said, what are you, this is crazy, that's not the way to do it, you know, give it to someone else. But instead, he started questioning, and of course, one of his questions is, do you think that's an effective use of your time? Sure. Now, by starting that conversation, of course, his vice president came to the conclusion that it wasn't, that it would be better to assign someone else to it, which would help them grow and become something more to the organization. But they had this conversation that actually really served to deepen their relationship. Okay. And that's what's really key. So that's how you link the organizational goals to the person's goals and get them involved and get, keep them on that path that you all want them to be on. Okay. Oh, that's great. And I'm, I want to go back to something that, that you had mentioned because you talked about coaching is something that people can learn. Mm-hmm. And so I, I so often ask this of the folks that I talk with about leadership. And it's a, a question, uh, there's no right answer to it, and I, I get answers on both sides of the coin, but do you see leadership as something people can learn, or is it a quality that you have to be born with? I think that it's definitely learnable. Now, there are some people that are like natural-born leaders. You know, you already see them at the age of three. They're running everything, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, so so there's some innate leadership skills that some of us just have. But the thing is, or I should say not really skills in that particular case. It's just almost like a charisma or this attraction for leadership. Mm-hmm. But 
there are skills that everyone can benefit from knowing and using, and that's the difference. Because sometimes you see people, yeah, they're leading people, but are they taking them in the right direction? Okay. Well, now, Susan, for our listeners then who want to become visionary leaders themselves, are there some key things that they ought to do to help grow in that respect, whether that's training or it's practice, maybe it's some self-reflection. I know you have a lot of questions and, and things in your book to help facilitate that kind of reflection that folks can do, uh, support systems and the like. Yeah, you know, I always believe it's really uh, great if people can get really good guidance when they're developing themselves on a personal and a professional basis, and mm-hmm. that's certainly true for leadership. And usually one of the first things I suggest people do is do an analysis of themselves. And like you said in the book, I've got questions that people can answer so they can start to understand what are their preferred leadership styles. And then they can also look and look at different situations and see if their preferred style is really an effective one in that particular situation. Mm-hmm. Because I find that great leaders, they flex between different styles based on the circumstances and people involved, right? So, Absolutely. for example, you know, that autocratic authoritarian style is really out as far as the only style a leader uses. Um, mm-hmm. But there are times, especially when uh, deadlines are tight and something's got to get done now, if a leader just goes, okay, you do this, you do that, and do that, and just, you know, you, you just give the order and you want it done, right? Right. But if that was their style all of the time, you're going to burn through people very quickly because people don't really like that over the long haul. So there are times when you use that, and then there's times when you're going to use something else. So I think it's uh, good that people understand their preferred styles. I also think it's great if they look at leaders that they admire and then study them, find out more about them, find out what makes them stand out from others, find out what attributes they can imitate of these leaders. And then certainly I believe in training and coaching. And to me, leadership is a process, and there will always be testing times, and there will always be things to learn and develop. Oh, now that... I particularly like the the thought on testing times mm-hmm. because I have found just in, in my personal career and, and before the show we talked about that I, I was in the Navy is under times of great stress, you really truly get to see the kind of leadership a person embodies because people fall back onto their core beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah, and so we we always do need to work on ourselves constantly during times that we're not stressed so that we exhibit the type of leader we want to be when we are stressed and are falling back then on just that that core foundation that we've built. You know, what you said there, Nathan, if people would follow that, and apply that in other areas of their lives, they would have huge shifts in their life. Mm -hmm. It is so true. I always believe, and I I did this even when I was selling, you know, in my early days somehow I came across this. I would sit and I would think about 
what questions or problems or issues could people have and I would think and think about how I could help them, how I could solve them, why that's there. And then when I sat in front of people, I, I, I knew the answers. I could already help them. I thought about how, how I could be in those situations before I was ever in them. Absolutely. And, and that's how they become a part of us, by doing that. Absolutely. And I tell the folks that I work with, we always play the big game like we practice. Mm-hmm. And you have to practice. <clears throat> now, Susan, I had another question on a little bit different topic, so to change gears just a little bit. You know, I think we all believe that leaders exist at all levels of the organization, so it's not a matter of having a title, or if you're in the military, it's not a matter of the rank insignia you, you wear on your collar. Does the visionary leader that is from a lower level of the organization encounter any challenges if they're trying to lead upward, or if they're trying to lead others that maybe even from a perception basis, are more experienced than they are? And are there any particular things that they can do to overcome that challenge if it exists? I think that's a really great question, you know, because first of all, I look at us all as being leaders, and it's just a matter of whether we take responsibility for it or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that we all have to be able to lead ourselves before we can lead another individual, a group, or an organization. And uh, your question, I think, is really good and also on point because I find that many organizations will ask me to coach and train their middle managers to becoming visionary leaders, but they don't do anything for them, the top leaders, right? Okay, yes. So then what ends up happening is the trained leaders certainly do excel and the senior leaders get left behind. And um, this is one of the reasons why I wrote about inspiring from the top down. We always work from a higher to a lower power. You even see this with electricity. And it's the same in organizations. So first, you know, the organization is a reflection of the leadership. So you don't fix something down in the ranks. You start fixing it up at the top. But what I would say for that emerging leader, which is what you're talking about, the one that may not really be in a leadership position or in a lower ranking or whatever, I certainly strongly recommend studying and becoming the leader you want to be as if you've got the the position, right? Because Mm -hmm. the position will follow. You know, I say to people, when you're looking at other leaders that have the authority to make decisions, to yourself, Look and say, well, how would I do it if I were the leader? Start journaling your decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you can look and you can see what they did and how what the how it turned out, what the outcome was, and start making shifts in your thinking and questioning things. You know, I think um, leadership is a fascinating thing and it's something that people should really study. But I can tell you this: when someone does things like that, the position will find them. Because some people think backwards. They say things, well, when I get the leadership position, then I'll train for it. Well, it never happens that way. Right, right. We're and the it, leader first, and then we get the position. Yes. And, uh, you know, so often I hear people saying things like, you should dress 
two levels higher than what you are, so you look the role. But mm-hmm. that, that's that's kind of a shallow perspective. We really need to be the role first. We need to be the visionary leader now and train on doing that now and, and acting that way now, just like we would dress for exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Susan, before we close, you have a website that I'd like to introduce our audience to. It's www.thevisionaryleader.com, and you have an abundance of additional resources on your website. I was wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit about the website and the resources they can find there. Uh, Yeah, there's uh, lots of things. They can download a chapter of the book. Um, They can also, I've got um, just about a 30-minute demo mix of uh, the recording that I did of The Visionary Leader because I actually ended up turning The Visionary Leader book into a home study program. I just found that so many people wanted things deeper and deeper, and so it's like the advantage of being in a workshop with me. So there's eight MP3s, and there's a 124-page workbook. And um, But they can download uh, a mix from the eight MP3s to get a, a feel for what it's like. I also have another website called, this, um, called SusanBagira.com. And that's B-A-G-Y-U-R-A. And I've got tons of free downloads on there, including um, that worksheet that I talked about before of what's working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. Because I, I mentioned when the one fellow, one of my clients, was talking to his VP and he talked about what's working, what's not working. Yeah. I always recommend doing that on a monthly basis when you're in pursuit of your goals because we're conditioned to keep doing things that aren't working. But by taking this, we can say, hey, that's not working, so either I stop doing it or I do something else or whatever, but I don't keep doing what's not working. Sure. Oh, that's great. And Susan, we'll put links in the article that accompanies the podcast to both of your websites so our listeners have. Yeah, that'll give them an easy one-click solution to finding your websites. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, Susan, I want to thank you for not only taking the time, but for sharing your insights on how our listeners can become visionary leaders and really create for themselves a success-focused mindset and then translate that mindset into action that will help move their organizations to greater success. I hope our listeners will pick up a copy of your book, the visionary leader, and then apply the principles in their day-to-day leadership so that they can achieve more success for not just themselves, but their organization as well. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much, Nathan, for having me. You know, transforming small business worldwide through visionary leadership is a passion of mine, so it was my pleasure being on this with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Susan Bagheera for being with us today and sharing her insights on being a visionary leader. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. 
if you enjoyed the show. Please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Susan Bagheera and The Visionary Leader at www.thevisionaryleader.com. Until next time, so long.